Hello and welcome to your Activists Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evgiori and this week we are talking about a new entry in the black market, the highly requested Hungarian license plates. Vlad Maximov is helping us to understand why are they on high demand, how much does gas cost in Hungary and what is happening with the single market. After that, I spoke with Krasa Nikolov and Spiros Ideris about how Bulgaria and other Balkan countries are threatened by a strong anti-Western wave amid Russian propaganda, what's on stake and what's NATO's role in this. So Vlad, we have a new entry on the black market, uh, which is a bit of a strange entry, I have to say. Uh, what is this new on high demand entry and uh, why is it important mentioning it? So it's Hungarian license plates, actually. Um, apparently, you can now buy Hungarian uh, license plates on uh, the Slovak black market. <laughs> um, I don't know how that works. I unfortunately don't speak Slovak. I tried Googling it for a little while, but failed completely. <laughs> but according to media reports, citizens from neighboring countries are stealing Hungarian license plates so they can get cheaper petrol. Uh, and all this is thanks to the new Hungarian government rules that were introduced on 27th of May, uh, which essentially extended or limited the access to cheaper petrol enjoyed by uh, motorists thanks to the Hungarian price freeze on petrol that was introduced last fall in November. And essentially this government decree, which was, by the way, posted at 1159 PM to be applied a minute later by the petrol stations. Um, so yeah, I, I don't envy <laughs> I don't envy those who are operating independent petrol stations in Hungary nowadays. But anyway, so the rules essentially said um, only cars with Hungarian license plates are able to enjoy the frozen prices, which are set at around 1.2 euros, uh, 480 Hungarian forints. That is uh, cheap for what we experience now. Exactly. So you can see why people are <laughs> on the market for some Hungarian license plates now. Uh, uh, and actually, there are some exceptions uh, also to motorists uh, uh, who are coming from countries uh, that also have regulated petrol prices, apparently. So this was Slovenia for a while. I'm not sure if those uh, rules are still in place. Um, but also... Um, Croatia and Serbia. Uh, so the idea of regulating petrol prices because of the insane inflation that we are seeing right now is not unique to Hungary alone, even though, uh, don't quote me on this, even though we are publicly on air, but I think Hungary was the first one to introduce it. But other governments since have also considered trying to regulate prices somehow, just because obviously, you know, petrol has become very expensive uh, due to many reasons. How is that compatible with the single market uh, rules? That's a great question, Evie. Well, it's not, or it doesn't seem to be. So the European Commission's uh, internal market boss, Thierry Breton, sent a letter to the Hungarian government on June 8th asking them to get rid of this discrimination between Hungarian and non-Hungarian cars. So the issue is not, again, not so much that the petrol prices are frozen, it's that we have one single market and the idea of the single market is that we are all able to enjoy the free flow and goods of services. Uh, and the Hungarian government essentially straight away went publicly uh, on Twitter and said, actually, no. <laughs> and to be exact, uh, the international spokesperson of the Hungarian government, um, Zoltan Kovács, 
said that uh, the rise in petrol prices is caused by the war. And in a war, the government has a right to protect the people. Now, you might see that there's like a little bit of a problem with messaging here mm-hmm. because the price freeze was introduced in November, <laughs> way yeah, before the war started, to control the <laughs> rising prices. So the statement that the rise in petrol prices is purely caused by the war and the uh, government has a right to protect the people, it just doesn't stand up to mm. even basic scrutiny. But either way, this is the line that the government is taking. If you want to ask my interpretation and my yeah. personal opinion, you know, they're just buying time, uh, trying to extend this price freeze as long as possible. And how are they uh, financing this uh, price difference that we see? Well, don't we all want to know? <laughs> my guess is, you remember the whole oil embargo story with Hungary trying to veto banning Russian oil from entering the EU market and how they got an exemption alongside with Slovakia? Uh, Well, this is how. So MOL, the Hungarian fossil fuel giant that controls about two-thirds of the market, if I remember correctly, also has refineries uh, in Hungary and in Slovakia. And so they're essentially now able to buy the Russian uh, crude oil at a much cheaper price and then refine it and essentially produce... uh, cheaper petrol, which is going to help to sustain this price gap. However, their CEO, uh, Jod Hernadi, about a week ago came out and said actually that this price gap is just not sustainable in the long run. So even Mall is saying that this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. However, all the indications of the Hungarian government um, point to the fact that they are planning to sustain the price cap, at least for now. Uh, it expires on the 1st of July. We'll see. Um, the government promised to come up with a new announcement somewhere mid-June. So any day now, we should be hearing something. Um, Keep an eye out. But my guess is the price cap is not going anywhere anytime soon. Why has uh, Hungary... Uh, cheaper fuels. What what was the agreement with uh, with Russia? Orban was one of the last EU leaders to visit Moscow before the war started. Um, I remember we had a podcast on that. Yeah, we did, didn't we? So here we are a couple of months <laughs> later. Um, so this is the thing. The Hungarian government claims that it is able to buy oil as well as gas at much cheaper below market prices because they have long-term contracts with Russia. However, media reports have suggested that this is actually not true. Uh, Those long-term contracts, especially for gas, are, yes, to fulfill a certain criteria, but uh, most of the volumes or the majority of the volumes are bought at uh, the spot market prices. So Hungary is actually not benefiting from cheaper, at least gas. Um, I'm not so sure if it's the same case for oil, but when it comes to oil, they get the exception, right? They're now essentially alongside um, any countries that are tied into the Druzhba pipeline, the ones who get an exemption. Because if you remember, the exemption is for oil transported via the Druzhba pipeline. However, some countries like Germany uh, have uh, voluntarily said that they will not actually use this exemption. So how do you see the situation panning out at this point? Well... (sighs) I feel like I say this every single time I'm on your podcast, Evie. <laughs> I wish I had a crystal ball. Um, you what, actually do. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the reality is that because now there are two prices that need to be shown in petrol stations, it's quite easy to actually follow along where prices would be if the price cap was not sustained. Uh, and at this point, prices are like would be 70% more expensive if uh, the price cap was 
unfrozen tomorrow, uh, which means it would be around two euros per liter. It's a huge price difference. That's going to be a Yeah, that's going to buy it. (laughs) So I have no idea how Orban uh, is going to get himself out of this. Realistically, probably with a phase-out, step-by-step phase-out, as opposed to just going from one day to another, because that's just going to be a huge shock. But sooner or later, they're going to have to unfreeze it. Uh, to be fair, though, I mean, this is costing people money and it's costing, the, as I mentioned, mall the energy giant money. It's costing them money, but it's not as bad as it could be because of this whole oil exemption thing that we talked about before. But it's mostly really killing the small, independent, your mom's, pops, petrol stations uh, who are not e- able to really, you know, benefit from selling refined oil, uh, a.k.a. benzene and diesel, bigger margins like mall is, they need to buy it wholesale. And even though the wholesale price of petrol is regulated as well for these petrol stations, they still need to find money to finance um, their um, operating costs, literally keeping the lights on. So actually, uh, the Independent Petrol Stations Association has been very vocal on this issue, just saying you're essentially strangling your small businesses with this decree and it needs to stop. Thank you. Thank you, Vlad. You're listening to Your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and agri-food brief podcast. And if you have any comments or ideas, you can email us at podcasts at youractive.com. Hi, Krasen. Uh, hi, Spiros. Hello, Evie. Hi. It looks like uh, things in Bulgaria aren't stable again. Can you tell us what is happening there, Krasen? Uh, give us a background story. In this very moment, we have a very uh, intense, very hot debate in the Bulgarian parliament about the resignation of the uh, speaker of the parliament, uh, Mr. Minchev, who is uh, one of the prominent figures in the uh, Change Continuous Party. It's the leading party in the Bulgarian coalition. So it will be uh, something like check if the opposition uh, has enough majority to overthrow the government. Many, many things are on stake uh, in Bulgaria, uh, but from European perspective, maybe the uh, most important thing is the veto on the uh, North Macedonia. It's important because uh, change of the tone in the Bulgarian politics started three years ago when the GER party, the party of the former PM Borisov, member of the EPP, decided to implement the veto on Skopje's European path. So uh, from this very moment, public opinion about the Macedonians started to change. Uh, Before that, the polls showed that uh, Bulgarians accept the European path of Macedonia. But when Borisov uh, implemented the veto, everything's changed. And now the 70% of the Bulgarians is against lifting the veto. So uh, things started from then. And uh, it became uh, clear that uh, the things are going from bad to worst. The public opinion, it's against copy. And many Bulgarians uh, started to think that the Europeans are trying to cheat us, to lift the veto. And um, 
not to pursue our uh, national interests. So that is the, the debate here in Bulgaria. And the EU's policy, and in general the policy coming from the West, is having the opposite effects of what the EU leaders are hoping for uh, in countries like Bulgaria. Why is that happening and why is it important, Spiros? Uh, civilians are tired uh, of the duration of the war as its effects are negative in their lives. A uh, second major crisis such as the war in Ukraine after the coronavirus pandemic certainly fights citizens disparate and uh, frustrated with the union's policies. It's uh, usually expressed by the citizens uh, turning to populist parties with far-right rhetoric, emphasizing the construction of uh, the EU. This endangered both by the unity of the bloc and crucial decisions that the leaders of the union will have to take in the future. In addition, uh, small countries such as Bulgaria or Greece uh, notice that uh, they are outside the EU's uh, decisions and are simply following the policies of a system in Brussels that sometimes gives the feeling of uh, living in a parallel universe. I think they have to change uh, the vision, actually, of the EU and uh, to be more uh, uh, participant society and uh, the leaders of the countries. Krasen, you were mentioning earlier uh, the dissatisfaction of Bulgarians in relation with the EU uh, and the stance the EU has when it comes to the northern Macedonia conflict. Is that the reason why we see the pro-Russia feelings uh, warming up again? The warm feelings toward Russians in Bulgaria are something that is persistent in the society. It's not something that starts to grow over the Ukrainian war. These feelings uh, have been here all the time because of the history issue, the thorough issue, because of the many things, including the communistic propaganda that was very fierce here for 45 years uh, before 1989 when the, the communism fall in Bulgaria. So the war acted like a trigger which is radicalized uh, these parts of the society that thinks that Russians are our brothers, uh, we are uh, little brothers to them, and uh, something like that. And uh, the problem is that these voices, they will be uh, presented largely, maybe, in the next parliament. So this is the bigger problem for the Europeans uh, when we talk about the Bulgarian politics after this government. And Spiro, what is your take on this? I have the feeling that the Bulgarian citizens are tired of the repeated elections that not uh, bring political stability, better living conditions and the clean sweep of corruption. Uh, the protest parties that dominate the previous election have disappointed with their choices and the possible return to the mainstream parties is not unlikely. Uh, this means that the deep noted uh, relation from the Soviet period between R- Bulgaria and Russia will play their part with both the GERB and the Socialist Party, trying to restore bilateral relations to their former status. Such a development will strengthen the pro-Russian sentiment that certainly still lingers in the hearts of Bulgarian citizens, especially for the older ones. The reality, as I see it, is that the Soviet era has not been erased from the memory of the citizens of the former Eastern Bloc countries. It needs a spark and it can be faced. 
if this happens, the, uh, the Russian bloc and the European Union will certainly have many issues to resolve and uh, many denials in terms of the decision against Russia. At the moment, uh, the political instability in Bulgaria makes Sofia uh, vulnerable to Russia uh, ambitions in the Balkan region and the European Union. And Krasen, coming back to you, you were talking about uh, Putinism on your latest article on Euractiv.com. Do you think this applies to other countries too? Maybe it's something that is valid to uh, some other countries in on the Balkans. It's something that is valid. Uh, when we speak about the Central European countries, they have a very... Uh, different experience towards Russians. You know, the, the Hungarian Revolution during the 50s, uh, then the Czechs against the Russians in the 60s. We didn't have that. Bulgarians uh, didn't experience something like that. We were the closest allies of uh, USSR during the communistic times. Many Bulgarians think that uh, we don't have problems with Russia, but rather with the West, who is trying to betray our national interests um, towards Macedonia. But uh, it's very historical issue, and Macedonia is something uh, that is connecting to the establish uh, estab- the communistic establishment here in Bulgaria. Because the communists here uh, cut the connections between Bulgaria and Sofia and Skopje during Great War, the, the Second World War. So it's very ironic, but now many Bulgarians think that the Western years are trying to cheat us to leave the veto and to betray our uh, national interest. And Spiros, how are things on uh, other Balkan countries? How do you think the situation is? Uh, Russia's attempt to influence public opinion in various countries in Europe is nothing new. It has been around uh, for years, but nobody paid much attention to it. The takeover of media in Balkan countries and even in Greece by companies of people close to Russia has been going on for years. In North Macedonia, more than uh, 1,000 websites were created during the negotiation of the Prespa Agreement, which were propaganda against the agreement. It is no secret that uh, Orban and Hungary and Yasa from Slovenia, both pro-Russian, invested a lot of money in media in the Balkan countries with right rhetoric. Uh, in Greece, in addition to far-right websites, those with uh, religious content uh, were also supported in order to promote the interest of the Russian patriarchate against the ecumenical patriarchate. Uh, particularly during the period of the negotiation of the PRESPA agreement in Greece, efforts were made against the agreement through publications that were directed against the agreement and the bribery of church circles, circles that were at the forefront of the protests for the resolution of the dispute between Greece and North Macedonia. That was the additional that I would say about uh, What is NATO's role in this? Do you think the involvement of NATO has to do anything with it? Uh, look, uh, NATO is, uh, my opinion, has uh, remained inactive to what Russia has done communicatively during the period and has only worked on the operational part and not to the political part. Uh, I think that NATO has uh, acted more as a dealer of, for, for the supply of weapon systems from member countries uh, and not as a, la- as a alliance 
to protect them from any dangers, such as the influence of public opinion from Russia, and countering fake news. Moreover, NATO's uh, desire to continue the war has uh, created skepticism among citizens uh, who see that the war in Ukraine has uh, brought many problems to their daily lives. And, uh, six pub- and since public opinion is uh, primarily influenced by living standards, it's uh, logical that there is now a negative image of NATO and the Western allies that uh, want war instead of peace. This can easily be used by Russian uh, propaganda to divide the Western alliance. President, what can we expect from the outcome of the elections and how could the outcome of these elections disturb the anti-Russian politics the EU is uh, promoting lately? Not only Bulgarian society, but the uh, Europeans soon will realize that Bulgaria will be no longer the stable partner on the Balkans because if we enter the spiral of the political crisis here in Bulgaria because we uh, are going uh, in some kind of eternal political crisis here, uh, the parliament will be very fragmented. There will be no more Bulgarian leader who will uh, speak with one voice in the EU leaders will be no more no more the normal partner of the European Union. And if we have strong Russian voices here in Sofia, uh, many European leaders will soon realize that Bulgaria can start veto some uh, key decisions in Brussels. So this is the bigger problem. If we don't have pro-European leaders here, it's strong enough. It will be soon a big, big problem for Brussels. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. I am Evikiori and this was Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Visit Euractiv.com for the latest news. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcast app. This episode was produced by me with the help of Vlad Maximov, Krasen Nikolov and Spiro Sideris. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.